This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. Great to have you along for this edition of Where Parents Talk. I'm Leanne Castellino. Each week, we look at raising kids today through the lens of science, evidence, and the lived experience of our invited guests. On today's show, an approach to parenting that seems to be gaining momentum. Joining us to discuss conscious parenting is a best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and entrepreneur. Catherine Winter-Celery is also a parenting coach, a trained mediator, and founder of the Conscious Parenting Revolution, an organization created to strengthen communication, collaboration, and cooperation within families. Catherine Celery is also the mother of two young adults, and she joins us today from Clearwater Bay, Hong Kong. Thank you so much for taking the time. So great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. The last three years has put family life under a particular microscope. So as a starting point, Catherine, how has that reality impacted your work as a parenting coach who teaches conscious parenting? So the lockdowns have impacted so many families in so many ways. I mean, it's just been like a huge rock in a pond that has all these ripples um, that have come out from it. But so many of my clients and I think people actually beginning to wonder about conscious parenting or even about finding someone who's a coach to help them with their family systems is a relatively new idea that a lot of people wouldn't even have thought about that. However, the dynamics have changed a lot with this new world order, although I do think things are kind of getting back to normal, but it's left a lot of impact. A lot of kids missed out on socialization. A lot of them are having more trouble getting back into school and feeling more confident. I would say for a certain sector of a type of child that may not have been completely comfortable in school, they got a lot more comfortable at home. And so for those kids going back has been really, really difficult. And some of them are on strike and they won't go. So I've had a lot of families where their kids are on strike and they really just don't want to go back. And then for other families, obviously, you know, there can be a lot more tension when you're around each other a lot more. And so a lot of problems arose and there was, you know, the pressure cooker experience. So just, yeah, it was huge, huge. The impact will be felt for a long time. For parents who perhaps may not be familiar with the terminology, how do you define conscious parenting? I think as um, a conscious parent, you're aware of when you're projecting your issues onto your child. As a conscious parent, when you're triggered, you're conscious enough to recognize that the catalyst is not the cause of your feelings. And so you have the opportunity to take the side road out of the world of you make me feel to, wow, this is generating a lot of feelings in me. And I need to be with this because this is all about me. So that distinction is so important because otherwise we do tend to blame our children for the times where they've catalyzed our experiences. You look how upset you've made me. Look at the gray hairs you give me. I mean, this whole idea of experiencing your experience as, wow, I'm really upset when my kids don't cooperate with me. Now I need to be with that and figure out my more effective way forward with conflict resolution. 
So consciousness brings the awareness that this is really my opportunity to learn more skills. My kids are naturally going to be less skilled than I am. They're going to have less ability to access their frontal cortex. They're going to have fewer skills at being able to regulate their emotions. Just all of that is the consciousness that we need to have as parents in order to really be effective at our job. It sounds so simple as you describe it, Catherine, but in the heat of the moment, you've got a teenager or you've got a toddler, for example, who just want to get their way, perhaps using tantrums, rebellion, whatever. How do you suggest a parent take that step back in those types of scenarios? Of course, at that very moment, the parent also just wants their way now, don't they? I mean, it's that mirror, mirror on the wall. So you've got two people in a room who both want their way. (laughs) But, you know, the only one who really has access to more skills is the adult, if they have skills. Um, And if they don't have skills, they they just try to use power because that they do have an amplitude of power and they'll try to use their power to control. And usually that activates retaliation, rebellion and resistance. So then you have the three R's in the room. And once you get the three R's in the room, now you're dealing with those. So your primary problem, whatever that was, gets lost because now you've activated all these other secondary problems and you spend 75% of your time dealing with the reactions to how you dealt with the primary issue. So this is the nexus. The nexus is, wow, if I don't use power and control, then I don't activate retaliation, rebellion, and resistance. And now I've eliminated 75% of the time that I spend because most of the time parents spend dealing with all of the secondary problems. So if I can just stay in my lane and not go into power and control because we have it doesn't mean we use it or we decide how we use it, we can only begin to wonder what is going on in this human over here that's making it impossible for them to comply with my demands. And so we shift our focus away from my experience of your no to wondering what you're saying yes to inside of yourself. So we begin to train ourselves, our minds, and this would apply whether it's a young child where you can just see that they're struggling to be able to be cooperative because some of their basic needs aren't being met. Maybe they're tired or you know, maybe they're hungry or just the really basic things. And so no matter what punishment or reward you would want to do to get them to comply, it will not work. You know, you just have to meet the need. You have to feed them. You have to put them to sleep. You have to take care of them in that way. And then presto pronto, they wake up all new and they're very cooperative. Or it's an older person and older could be anywhere from, you know, literally any age on where they have their own experience of what they're hearing you want from them. And they can't just say yes. They have a whole thing that's happening over here. So that whole thing thing that's happening over there, you have to begin to be curious about it. And as you move out of demand and into curiosity, they lean in to connection because now you're actually interested in what's going on for them rather than just continuing to demand compliance. So it's an entire ecosystem that we're setting up that's really rooted in connection. And connection has to happen from that place of curiosity rather than, oh, insistence. 
This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino in conversation with Catherine Winter-Celery, founder of the Conscious Parenting Revolution. Catherine, what are some of the common pitfalls that you would say parents find themselves in when they come to see you at their wits end? I would say recently in my coaching calls, we just had a huge conversation yesterday about um, when a child is, in this case, 15, and they have pimples on their face and they don't want to go to school, and how to work with that child to overcome their self-consciousness. And this is you know, right now we're talking about a teenager, but you can take that all the way down the line and all the way up the line for that matter. Every one of us has a self-concept and our self-concept either supports us getting through things that are difficult or it doesn't. And so I think that a lot of parents have and are struggling seeing their children make the bad decision of wanting to stay home and hide from the world at large because they're worried about what people are going to say about the way they look that day. And so how do we raise children who are less self-conscious in that way and able to be with the part of themselves that's worried about what other people think without letting it hijack and become the decision maker? And so a big conversation that I find with parents all the time is this idea of, are you raising children to grow up with this thought, what other people think about me is none of my business? Or are you raising children to be so, so concerned with what other people say? And that starts back in the house, where if you train children to be obedient and compliant and just do as they're told, You're focusing the mind of the child on the other person with power and control and what they're going to do, usually rewards and punishments. And therefore, the mind of the child is always focused on this thing outside of them. And we call it an external locus of causality. And we actually train children to be thinking about what other people are going to do or say to them and let that become the pivot point as opposed to teaching children to have an internal locus of causality who are motivated from within for them to be in touch with that part of themselves and be able to turn toward it with interested curiosity to they themselves establish what we call self in presence. And if they have self in presence and the capacity to hold space for all of these different parts of themselves that are arising constantly, if you get the pimple or if somebody brushes you off or this or that, it activates something inside of them. Do they have the emotional resilience to learn how to turn toward that something and be with it? Or do they not even recognize that there's a something inside of themselves and they just merge with it and allow it to take the wheel and drive their behavior and their action? So this core sense of self And the development of that allows parents to create an ecosystem for their children to grow up where what you think about me is none of my business. And I am free from the prison of peer pressure. I'm free from the prison of what other people can do or say to manipulate me or control me. It gives that person, a child, the internal power. 
So this is a huge topic, which we're always in one way or another coming back to because so many adults have been trained to give their power to someone else and they're actually not guiding their own ship. And so it's very difficult for them to raise children who are also are empowered, centered, and have that internal locus to be able to move forward in spite of all the things that are coming up. So they're kind of big overarching conversations around locus of control, around how much power we wanna to give to other people and the extent to which the way I raise my child has actually bathed them in the mindset of, oh, well, what are they going to do if I don't? Or what, you know, it's this whole idea of teaching children to be not considerate of other people's needs, because that's not what obedience and compliance and rewards and punishments teach. It doesn't teach consideration. It teaches obedience and compliance, and it makes children actually very vulnerable to abuse. Time for a short break. We will continue our conversation about conscious parenting. When we come back, tricks, tips, tools moms and dads may want to consider to practice conscious parenting. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. We are talking about conscious parenting with our guest, Catherine Winter Celery, who's a parenting coach, a best selling author, and founder of the Conscious Parenting Revolution. Catherine, at what point does a parent say to themselves, I think I need more guidance, additional support, I think I need help from an outside source? because that is not always a default position for many parents who may be struggling silently. Totally. No, I, as I said to you, you know, I think COVID was the tipping point. COVID brought a certain element that had never been there before. So now for a lot of families, they're spending more time in close contact than they've ever spent. And that is not necessarily a formula for connection. Sometimes it's a formula for more eruptions. And so a lot of conflict, I mean, as you probably know, there was a tremendous amount of abuse that happened in families during COVID as well. So if you find yourself yelling at your kids, if you find yourself feeling, um, I don't know, like if you're self-shaming, like, oh God, I just, I'm a horrible mother. What's wrong with me? And you're doing all of that cruelty to yourself, then um, it's time for help. It's time to recognize, oh my gosh, I don't even realize that when I signed up to be a parent, I signed up to have all of my own demons served up to me through my children. My children came as my teachers. They came to heal me. They came to bring up for me everything inside of me that I haven't had to look at. And so before you know it, for a lot of people, their children become like a battleground. And there are lots and lots of arguments because maybe their kids are not going to be obedient and compliant. Maybe they have an autonomous child, which when in the trainings that I teach, we talk about having the belongers, the kids who want to please you. They want to make you happy. They feel like, you know, if you're okay, they're okay. And they're always looking to see how's mom doing, how's dad doing, and they will adjust their behavior based on the response. 
So those are kids that are easier to raise because they really are bathed in this idea of what other people think about me, you know, actually makes me feel good or bad. So I would say there's a huge risk factor with those children. They might be easier to raise, but they're also very much at risk. And then you've got the kids that are prepared to basically upset the apple cart, ruffle your feathers, not please you. And those are the kids that are like, no, I won't do it. And that really, I mean, the no, I won't do it can activate a lot of parents into out of control behaviors of their own. And so if you have an autonomous child who's prepared to risk your displeasure, then chances are you're drowning as the parent because most parents only have this one mechanism, power, control, rewards, and punishments. And that is the least effective and not only not effective, it makes the problem worse. So if you don't have other skills in your tool shed, uh, your relationship is gonna get more and more severed, more and more distant and more and more explosive. And the child will become more and more explosive because the parent without even knowing it is pouring gasoline on the fire every time they open up their mouth. On that note, Catherine, what are some other key tools that you suggest parents may have to have in their arsenal if they want to pursue a conscious parenting approach? Primarily, knowing when to um, shift from trying to deliver a message to really leaning in and listening. Listening is not giving instructions, lecturing, asking questions, moralizing, preaching. That is not listening. And parents who think that those responses are listening are really mistaken. And it is the it is the gasoline that they're pouring on a fire where the other person doesn't feel seen, heard, understood, or, or really from their perspective reflected back. So being able to shift from the deliverer of the message to the one who can listen to the resistance that they're getting and really understand it so that they can give back to the child and reflect back to the child, their perspective, the child's perspective is like the magic wand. So I would say in this whole big cabinet of tools, that's the magic wand. Also self-compassion, the ability for that parent to really have compassion for their own experiences because their inner child is being activated all day long. And it's the one that's beginning to possibly take over their directiveness, what's going on for them, the words coming out of their mouth, the you know ideas that come into their heads. And so just being able to go, wow, this is a huge overreaction for parents to acknowledge their own overreactions and to recognize that when they are in an overreaction, they're ineffective, manipulative, abusive, pouring gasoline on the fire they need to learn how to take care of themselves so that they don't damage this relationship. And I think there's a ton of people who either make excuses for themselves or potentially shame themselves, like kind of the two spectrums, but don't necessarily just go, wow, you know, I just need to learn new tools. I just need to become more effective at conflict resolution. I just need to be a more... um cooperative parent who doesn't see children as needing to just do as they're told. So I guess one of the other big tools is really recognizing the extent to which you may have without recognizing it, a strong prejudice against children. 
you describe to yourself any behaviors that you don't like as being manipulative out to get you that they could have done better. They're not that when you begin to describe their bad behavior in those terms, it really is evidence of what I call the last marginalized community to really be acknowledged. And the last marginalized community to be acknowledged is children and that they are routinely treated as though they are manipulative. They could have done better. I hear parents say these things in describing the behaviors that they don't like when we all know, well, maybe not, that behavior is a reflection of needs being met or needs not being met. So the more tragic the expression of the be in the behavior that you're seeing, the tragic expression of the unmet need and the more tragic expression of the unmet need and the more tragic expression of the unmet need. And when you see it that way, you're less inclined to go to, well, we gotta come down hard on them because if you allow this to just keep on happening, you're gonna get more of it. And now that's the mindset again, that it's you reward the behaviors you want, you'll get more of them. Punish, come down on the behaviors you don't want, you'll get less of them. Well, that, that would only be true if we didn't know about retaliation, rebellion, and resistance, and that the three R's are activated through power and control. Not with everyone, but with a lot. And, you know, some of my TED Talks, one of them in particular says the rebellion is here, we created and we can solve it. And it speaks to children who have so felt unseen, unheard, not understood from their perspective over such a long period of time. They've been isolated and alone and in pain. And everyone looks at the tragic expression as punishable offenses, which causes them to feel more isolated, more alone, more afraid. And the expression of that becomes a more and more tragic expression. And it can result in many lives being lost, many lives being lost. So if we don't get this right and begin to see the tragic expression of the unmet need rather than good, bad, punishable, what do I do to it? Then we activate a whole nother problem that is impacting society. And it's epidemic and it's across all, you know, generational lines, cultural lines, geographical lines. It doesn't matter. It's a human response to being not seen, acknowledged or heard. We can extrapolate and see how this applies on geopolitical scales. We can see it on all kinds of different areas. And it all starts at home. To me, that's sort of like the place where everything changes. We change the world when we change our families. You are listening to Where Parents Talk. I'm Leanne Castellino, and we're talking about conscious parenting with our guest, Catherine Winter-Celery. We've talked about the pandemic being a tipping point, perhaps, in terms of putting family life under a microscope, power and control, examples that are pervasive in society through bullying, abuse, etc. So, does that bring us to some kind of tipping point on this topic in your estimation? And where do we go from here? The mechanism that a lot of systems use from the family system all the way through to our governmental systems. I think the systems that work the best are the ones that have a concern that everyone has a voice at the table, that 
everybody's perspective is taken into consideration that you actually have the ability to, you know, pass the pen around the table and have every person at the table be able to say what the other person's perspective was and understand it and then be able to say, and here's how I see it. And so if you can do that, it is that sharing of information that really supports transformation. And so whenever we can do that, whether it's at home or it's at the school board meeting or it's in a student teacher conference or if it's any other forum, then it's no longer about, I have the power and control and your job is to simply bow to me. It's no longer about any any of the things that require us to exert rather than to connect. And connection is really from that place of, well, you know, even though I have the power and control, I would like to use my power and control in ways that I believe will bring about more harmony, more connection, will bring about a more, a sense of we all really do belong to each other. That if we have that deep sense of what well, we, if we all do really belong to each other, then what's going on for you impacts me one way or the other. And so it becomes of interest to me, maybe from a selfish place, because if you're not okay, I'm not okay. But it really is a mindset shift away from, I got all mine, so I don't care so much about you as long as mine and what I consider mine is taken care of. So if I start to think of things a little bit differently, that really this idea of we belong to each other, then mine is actually like, well, I'm not okay then if you're not okay. And you know these are huge conversations we're having right now. So to just in a very light way, put a brush to it, I would say, yes, how we look at power and control and what is ours is a big part of the conversation. And then what's responsible and how do we move forward? You know, you said earlier, one of the conversations that I have in my trainings and what I find parents are concerned about, you can get to a place where my compassion and understanding can also be enabling bad behavior. So again, each one of these is so nuanced. How do I not use power and control when I see my kids are doing things that I'm concerned about? How do I manage that line between demanding obedience and compliance because I'm the mother, I'm the father, I'm the one who is the elder into the land of the protective use of force where actually I'm using force because I'm worried about what would happen if I continue to let you go down this road, which could jeopardize your reputation, could jeopardize your future, could jeopardize. There are times when parents have to get in there and use power, not from demanding compliance, but from a place of, oh my God, this is protection. And from that place on the outside, the things we're doing can look like control and power, but it's not coming from the same place inside. So, and just throw that in there because I'm sure a lot of people will be listening to this going, well, hold on a minute. If I give up on using my power, then what's going to happen? They'll never do their homework. They'll never do this. They'll never do that. And I would say, well, on that level, 
we need to shift the reason why kids do things. So now we're into the land of motivation and what motivates someone. We're back to the story of, well, is it what, you know, is it the carrot or the stick? Or is there something about intrinsic motivation that motivates someone? And this is a massive conversation about motivation. Can we motivate without using power and control? Can we motivate without using rewards and punishments? And in fact, if we don't use those things, will their own intrinsic motivation come forward? So much important food for thought. Catherine Wintercelery, founder of the Conscious Parenting Revolution. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. I'm Leanne Castellino. Thank you for listening and hope you'll join us next time. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.